everybody. Welcome back to It's the Little Things podcast. I'm super excited to be here with Mark Delaney today. Um, I kind of met him through Brett Wilson, who was on last week's episode, and he is really wise. So I'm excited to hear about kind of what you have planned to talk about today and everything. But I would love to just hear more about you and kind of, you know, your story and what makes you you. Yeah, uh, India, thanks for having me on. I'm a empty nester, married to my wife for almost 30 years. Um, two of our kids have uh, wives that are pregnant, so we're about to be grandparents. <laughs> so that's really exciting. And that's going to be actually within two days, they are due. Oh, my word. So we're going to go from not being grandparents to grandparents times two in a week. So that happens in September. Um, you know, my wife and I are on a, an adventure together. Basically, if I were to summarize it, is we have been sailing a boat for a long time to a an island called Purpose, and we're going to die on that island. <laughs> <laughs> and the only goal on that island is to help people know their purpose and be set free to live it out boldly. Um, and so that's what our life is all about. It's helping people finish one sentence. My purpose is because, frankly... India, I think the greatest pain of all is the feeling that a human being has when they feel that their life isn't being what it was made to be. And helping people crush that so they can live boldly is um, the heart behind what we do. So that's a bit about us. Yeah, no, that's a pretty, pretty awesome thing to be working on because I know personally, and you know this a little bit now, but I've suffered with that same thing, not kind of knowing what your next step is. And it is crazy because everybody has so much potential, but they don't really know it until somebody is like, Hey, you're missing out on, you know, what you're made to do. And it's funny because everybody's purpose is so unique. (laughs) Yeah. It's, but it's, you know, that potential we have, you know, I talk to people as they get older, they actually hate to be told you have potential. Because the older you get, you have the feeling that I'm missing my potential. Mm. I am missing on giving the gift I'm supposed to give to the world. And the the more that people care, the the deeper that people care about making a difference with their life, the greater the burden can be of, I don't think I'm doing it. And so when people are young, they love being told, hey, you got so much potential. This is great. And then slowly you you look at the world and you're like, wait a second, where do I do my potential? Where do I fit in this world? And then by the time someone gets to be 30 years old and beyond, the anxiety of, I don't think I'm using my potential and the pressure of that um, and the anxiety of that becomes very powerful. Because I, I think, I really think that the, one of the most silent pains that people live with is the pain of unfulfilled expectations and that my life has not become what it was made to be. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a good point. I did, I did not think about the potential aspect of things. Sorry, they are mowing outside. So it's a little, <laughs> but um, yeah. So... I have an airplane flying over here. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's always something around here, either my dog or mowing. But um, 
Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think, so you kind of work with people from all age groups of life. Yes. Yeah. Any, we've worked with people as young as 15, um, helping them know their purpose and people as old as um, 60. Yeah. Um, because the, really what's fascinating to me is a human is a human. We're yeah. just not very different. The, the human story, the things we struggle with, the things that we want. It's just not very different. So yeah, we work with people at at all ages. We simply we are we are so compelled that every human being must be able to say in one sentence their purpose. It, it just must be done. And so yeah, we're going to schools and we're talking to administrators and saying, hey, along with the Pythagorean theorem, how about we help your kids know their purpose? Like maybe that's a thing. Maybe, maybe. So we do this um, in churches. We do this in prisons. Um, Anywhere people want to know their purpose, we're going to show up and we're going to have these conversations. Yeah. Something that has been on my heart a lot recently is probably because it's similar to mine, but with athletes, because um, your purpose, your whole life when you play is that, you know, you need to be good. You need to be great. You need to make a difference on the field or the court or wherever you're at. And then, like you said, like when that ends, which it's going to end regardless of if it's from injury or just graduating, um, but it's going to end. And so kind of figuring out like, Oh my gosh, what do I do after this? And, um, and that's been on my heart a lot recently because there have been a lot of suicides in the athletic world recently. And, um, it's just everybody's lost. Nobody knows what to do. Yeah. No, this is so common. I, you know, I talked to a, someone I kind of knew at a gas station because I'll take a conversation anywhere I can get it. And so (laughs) I saw this young man at a gas station and I knew of him a little bit and he was a normal high school basketball player. Nobody would say he was great. Nobody would think he wanted to play college ball. But he said this, he said, when I played basketball in high school, it gave me a rush. It made me feel alive. But he said, when basketball ended, nothing did. Mm. He said, but Adderall did. It, it is an absolute, there's, there's no question. It, it is a, a huge problem going on. Frankly, every human struggles with identity. Mm-hmm. For young athletes, we help them have a false identity that leads to a big crisis later on. One of the men I was working with, 29 years old, he said there were eight of us buddies that grew up in the same neighborhood. We were little kids. We played together in the neighborhood. And then we all went to the same school and played sports together. And sports was a prominent thing for all of them. And they were pretty good. A number of them played college ball. But he said of those eight of us, he said, this year we buried number five. Oh five of those eight friends had died from opioids. And people would say, well, it's an opioid problem. It's really not. It's, it's a identity crisis problem that causes someone to need opioids. Mm-hmm. Because the human being must be moved by something. Something inside of us, we must be moved compelled something that causes us to wake up and say i'm gonna go bring myself to the world today and if you played a sport from age five all the way through 18 22 25 we you had a reason to get up and do what you did 
and people applauded you for it. And then it comes to an end and it's like, oh, why am I getting up this morning? Mm-hmm. It's a huge identity crisis. And then people need something. Here, here's the India, here's reality. If a human being has nothing inside of them that moves them, they have to find something outside of them that moves them. Mm-hmm. And that's why a loss of identity causes people to turn to things like alcohol and drugs because it causes you to feel like you're moved. Mm-hmm. It's a false thing and it's obviously leads to bad places. But so that man's story of the eight, five of them died from opioids. What they really died from was an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, that's so true. It, when you feel like you don't have anything to work towards or like a goal or anything in your life, I mean, it's tough <laughs> and yeah. it just becomes this waking up and doing the same thing over and nobody wants to do that all the time. And that's why sports was so fun is because it's never the same. You, I mean, you're doing playing the same game, but every game's different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy to think about this, but I think that, you know, I said adults, I mean, humans are humans. We're really not that different. Mm-hmm. I think what happens in childhood with young people and sports gives a picture or a model of what happens with adults with their careers. Because mm. we can do the same thing as adults. Now we look for our next thing to put our, our purpose or our identity in. And now it's my career. Well, the career can change in a second. The company can go under. You can be fired. Um, you could retire. Yeah. <laughs> then you retire and you're like, wait, why am I waking up this morning? And so what happens when, with childhood with sports is a really, it's a picture of what happens with adults when they get into a career. Mm-hmm. We have that same kind of problem with identity. So for somebody, I guess, like myself or anybody else listening right now that's struggling with that, how, what would be like your first thing that you would do if somebody is struggling with that? Like, what would you tell them? Well, first of all, I, I want to have eight conversations with every human being I can find. <laughs> and after that eighth conversation, I want them to say their, their purpose in one sentence. Um, I'll, we'll just start with just one um Uh, I'll just say one of these concepts that we talk about in our program, and that is that our job is not our purpose. Similarly to someone like you who is an athlete, our sport is not our purpose. It's just not. Um, And it's a trap to think that way because our purpose and our identity get very connected pretty much impossible to not connect our purpose and our identity. So when our purpose is an occupation or our purpose is an activity, then our identity hinges on what happens with that activity or occupation. So what we help people understand is we guide people through conversations of understanding that your activity, your sport, your occupation, it's not your purpose. It's just one way that you take your purpose. You have purpose. Purpose is not this thing outside of you that you go and do. Purpose is something inside of you that you go and give. And playing a sport is just one way to give your purpose to the world. 
doing a job is one way you bring your purpose to the world. Yeah, that's, I mean, I've never heard it put like that because a lot of times, especially in school, trying to find a career to do, it's everybody's like, well, what's your, what's your purpose? Like, what are you bringing to the world, I guess? And, you know, I always see it as like, what career I pick is going to determine how important I am in the world. Like if I'm not in the medical field or if I'm not doing this, am I really bringing out my purpose? But I see that that's like a misplaced definition of purpose. (laughs) Yeah. And how hard does it become to make the decision of what career you choose? Because most people think exactly what you thought when you choose your career you're like choosing the legacy of your life. Mm-hmm. How does anyone choose the legacy of their life? <laughs> Even exactly. at my age, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. No, it's horrible. And I think there's so much pressure put on that because like what your career is, is who you are seen as in the world. And so, mm. I mean, that's also like, it's just a misplaced definition of purpose, like I said. And it's yeah. also... It's also kind of a society issue as well, because everybody's like, you know, oh, that's what you're doing with your life. And I'm like, yes. yeah. <laughs> yes. And you are awesome or not awesome based upon what the answer to the question of your occupation is. Yes. And it's not different than when you're in school, when you're in high school. I was, I taught for many years and you see people that are really good at a sport. And so it's like, oh, that human is doing great. They are good at football. (laughs) Then this kid over here is like, well, I got to be on a math test. Am I doing okay? Like, like, where's my thing? It's like every human being is looking for their thing outside of them that they can go and get and say, look, world, look, I found my purpose. Here it is. Isn't it great? I'm good at this. Frankly, even in, in school systems, you have kids that are, they are the straight A perfect student. And they're like, look, look how good I am at school. Don't you see this? And what happens when they graduate? Right. The world goes, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. And and so being a great student even sounds noble and it's not a bad thing, but it's a horrible identity. Right. It's a horrible identity. Well, after I got transferred and the school I'm at now is academically challenging because it's preparing me to transfer into A&M and so (laughs) so it's been a journey that's what I'm going to say about that um especially after my concussion I'm still suffering from memory loss and all that stuff so learning for me has become a challenge and I was the person in high school who loved academic validation which I think was kind of attached to sports because i worked really hard and I'm like, Ooh, results. I like these results. I'm going to keep doing that. And so academic validation kind of became who I was too. I'm like, I'm the smart athlete. So then I got here, I'm not an athlete. And then I don't feel smart because I'm not getting the grades. And I was like, wait a second, (laughs) everything got flipped upside down. And kind of once I realized that I was like, okay, um, since I have neither of those going for me right now, there's something I'm missing and I just kept working on it and I'm still getting there, but it's a process, but I'm, I'm like, okay, there's something else there that I'm missing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it is so fortunate to, for you that you're facing this time in your life that you faced. 
because what you've experienced in the last season of your life of, I'm not good at grades and I don't get to play softball. This is what happens in every human being's life. Mm -hmm. We're full of potential and we're excited about what we can be in the world and then things go wrong. <laughs> and can I, I'll be very honest with you about this. For many people, things go wrong and they get derailed and they, they stay derailed the rest of their life. Mm. It's soul crushing to say those words, but it's what happens in real people's lives. Right. Life is not the avoiding of being derailed. Mm -hmm. Life is about when you get derailed, finding what you were really made to be and live more than you ever were before. Because I think about your story, India, I think about this. When you were a little baby, and I'm about to have some grandkids, and I think about this. <laughs> when you were a little baby, nobody would look at you and say, oh, in India, how precious. If you grow up and get good grades and are good at softball, your life's going to be awesome. <laughs> nobody would say that. No. <laughs> no. But isn't it amazing the way life, the twists and turns of life, and the way we live our life we can get to a place of i'm not good at grades and i can't play softball anymore what am i mm -hmm. well i know what you are you are just as amazing as the day that you were born the greatest thing about you or the greatest thing about me will never ever be what we do with our life the greatest thing about the human being is that we are the workmanship of God created to do good works in this world mm -hmm. that our life really matters and we have something to give to the world and but that the thing we give to the world is not oh here's my great grades world <laughs> here's my I'm good at softball world mm -hmm. no what we give to the world is us our love whatever abilities and talents we have, whatever kind of acts of service we have, that's the great gift we can all give our world. Frankly, as a, as a person who spends a lot of time studying human lives, I am this last season of your life of honestly having to face breakdown is probably the greatest gift of your life. And it will help you become the person you were made to be. Right. Which is 10 times more, a thousand times more than a human being that has good grades and plays softball. You're 10,000 times more than that. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I think it's, uh, this is a whole different perspective that, that I hadn't heard before. Because, I mean, like you said, we aren't, what we bring to the world isn't, those things and yet mm. it it feels like that a lot of times yes and so it is yeah it's total misplaced identity pretty much is yeah. in everything I can do instead of what I can actually bring to the table and I've learned that a lot um I work at Chick-fil-a oh. <laughs> and um <laughs> and I just think it's so interesting because a lot of times I'm like, what can I do to help brighten someone's day today? Because 
I like, I'm a lot like you, I will find conversation anywhere I can find it. And so in the line, if it's only 10 seconds with someone, I will talk to someone. And um, yeah, so I, I think I'm getting there. I'm learning it, but it's a process for me because it feels like I'm learning it kind of on my own because everybody's kind of with me. We're all in the same place where we all don't know what we're doing. <laughs> that, can I tell you something? Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> There's something about, there was, we do premarital counseling a little bit and a couple came to us and they laid out their whole story and they're getting married and they want to hear my thoughts on their situation. And here's what I told them. And they didn't know me that well at the time. So I had to explain this, but I said, listen, you are crazy and you don't know what you're doing. And they were like, wait. And then I said, and it's wonderful. Life is not about the avoiding of crazy and somehow knowing what you're doing. Life is full of wonder. Mm -hmm. Life is full of the unknown. And the, the, the idea that I'm supposed to know what my whole life is going to be and how to line up, line the whole, my whole future up. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to know how it's all going to go. It's preposterous. <laughs> Frankly, it goes against what God has for us. We all love the scripture that says that God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Mm -hmm. Yet we want to know what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. And God's like, no, I'm going to do more than you can imagine. So I'm going to do more than what you can think you can organize and figure out for yourself. Mm -hmm. So life is the wonderful unknown and the, the instinct that we have to control it all and have it all figured out is um, really preposterous. Yes. <laughs> the shortcut to anxiety. <laughs> totally. I, that was, yeah, that was another thing, um, which part of it was um, like a chemical thing, like at, you know, concussions bring the, all those feelings. But I think I also had that with the not knowing. I am one of those people. I'm not, I don't think I'm type A. But I do like to, you know, I like to know things, just at least be aware so I can prepare. So I might be, um, but I have just learned that, you know, there's a lot of unknowns and I'm not going to know it all. And yeah. it's, it's a frustrating realization. <laughs> you know, think about this just on this podcast, you've had mowing. Okay. You can't <laughs> control that. I've had an airplane. I don't think I can control that. You've had a dog decided to bark. My mother-in-law has an office beside mine. She decided to hang pictures, evidently. She hasn't done that in years. And all of a sudden, I'm like, she's banging on the wall during the podcast. I can't control mother-in-law. No one controls a mother-in-law. But the, the, the idea that we control our life and control the outcomes of it, it sure sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> but the anxiety of thinking that I, I'm supposed to know where this whole thing is going, mm -hmm. it prevents us from living boldly. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. That is 100% true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of good stuff. Um, so where would, what would you tell someone that, you know, kind of if in my position before, you know, where I am now, so like kind of finding your purpose and what you're doing, what would you tell them? Well, 
the purpose is not something that you're doing outside of you. Purpose is what's on the inside of you. Mm -hmm. And it, it would take eight conversations for me to help you finish that one sentence. But when a person finds the purpose inside of them and, and they get rid of these wrong ideas of what purpose is, then purpose becomes this powerful force on the inside of you that drives you to everything that you do. Mm -hmm. You are probably just the little bit that I've known you, you are probably living out your purpose so much more than you know, just by what you mentioned at Chick-fil-A, the very fact you're doing this podcast, um, you're doing this for a purpose. Mm -hmm. the, the thing in your heart that said, I'm going to do this podcast, that speaks to what your purpose is. Not making a podcast. That's just one way you do your purpose. The way you look at people at Chick-fil-A is speaking to what your purpose is. It, purpose is not this thing outside of you that you get and say, oh, I found it. No, purpose is something in your heart that gives you a pair of glasses to wear. And everywhere you look, it's the lens through which you look at life. Mm -hmm. It's the way you want to show up for people. It, it causes you to change everything that you do. It's very powerful, but purpose, I'll finish with this story. I was at a Chick-fil-A actually <laughs> meeting with two young men. Um, the older one was about 24 and he said, will you meet with my brother? His brother was about 15 at the time and he was very troubled. This 15 year old had done something to get in trouble and um, he had to get sent to a, a, a boy's home and he was home visiting for a week and he asked if I could meet with him and have some discussions and this little boy 15 years old, he, he looked around this Chick-fil-A as if he was looking at the whole world. Mm. And he said, how does someone know it? How does someone find it? And I said, I said, find what? He said, your purpose. How do you find it? And I said, if you look in the wrong place, you'll never find it. Mm -hmm. But if you look in the right place, it's easy. Mm. I said, your purpose is not outside of you, it's inside of you. And I told him the story. I told him the story of Kermit the Frog, <laughs> a great philosopher who once sang a song called The Rainbow Connection. And the first line of the song simply says this, why are there so many songs about rainbows and what's on the other side? Mm -hmm. And I said, I told him, I said, the reason I think there's so many songs about rainbows is because everyone is looking for their magical thing. Where is my thing? Where's my rainbow? And then I get to the other side of it, and there's going to be this great pot of gold. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the great result of my life. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to get this career, and my career is going to give me this great reward. And then I'm going to say, look, world, I did it. I did it. But I told him, I said, that's not what life is. You know, and, and according to the myth, at the end of the rainbow is this pot of gold. I told him, I said, when you were born, you were born at the end of the rainbow. Mm -hmm. Your life is the pot of gold to be given to the world. You don't go look for 
pot of gold outside of you to get. The pot of gold is within you to give. And it's a whole different way of looking at life. And I told him, I said, I'm going to play this song for you. And I bet before this song is over, you can know your purpose. And I put the song on my phone and I slid it over to him. And I talked to his brother while he sat there and he just listened to this song. And he thought about the words and what we had talked about. And about three minutes into the song, he grabbed my, I had my own Purpose Mastermind booklet. This is the program we do. Mm -hmm. He grabbed it from my side of the table and grabbed my pen. And in the back of the book, there's this fill in the blank where you finish the sentence, my purpose is. He wrote his purpose in that booklet. And I still have it today and I will always have that. Mm -hmm. And I won't say his purpose because I usually don't say anyone's purpose until someone goes through the program and tells me theirs because I don't like to give a trail of breadcrumbs for people. But <laughs> his purpose was so powerful. And if all he did is live out what he wrote in that booklet that day at Chick-fil-A, his life will make a great impact. So I would just encourage people, you can spend your whole life looking outside of you to find your purpose. Mm -hmm. You'll never find it. But if you look inside of you, it's right there. Right. And the world just wants you to give it boldly. And we all can. Yeah, that's an awesome story. <laughs> I love that. That was so good. It was um, a very fun day. I'll never forget that moment. I love I love just days like that where you just never forget every detail. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, we do have to end the talk um, because I could sit and talk for hours easily. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I have three questions I usually ask, and they're like lightning round questions at the end. Okay. Um, the first one is, what is your favorite verse right now? Do you have one that you like more than others? Yeah, probably just Ephesians 2.10. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Mm -hmm. mm, I like that. It goes really well with this. Um, the second one is, um, what is your favorite book right now? Speaking of which, I think you should write a book if you don't have one. But what's your favorite book right now? You know, I don't have one. Honestly, I don't read books. Hmm. Um, I could talk about that quite a bit. I, and I'm not against reading them. I, I like to read vicariously. I like to have good friends who know me well, and they'll say to me, Hey, have you read this book? And I'm like, no. And then they tell me the part I need to hear. I'm like, thank you. I don't need to read it now. <laughs> uh, I, I, here's, here's my philosophy. I do not want to be someone who spends my life studying life. I want to be someone who lives my life living it boldly. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in the reading of books, we become a student, not the person living it out boldly. So I do read some books, but I only read them so I can live more boldly. Mm. I'm not just going to become a reader and not a doer. Nope. Yep. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And then the last question is, what is your favorite part of God's creation? Honestly, my wife. Oh, I love that. That, that's, I'll, I'll leave it at that. That is the fav <laughs> my favorite part of God's creation is my wife. I love that. 
Well, before we close out, I just want to say thank you so much for being on here. Um, I think this conversation is really good and I will be listening to this over and over again. Um, I've enjoyed this. Yes, me too. But everybody, thank you so much for listening or watching or whatever you decide to do today and just go out into the world, be a light for the Lord, live boldly and uh, be the reason someone smiles today. Bye guys. Bye guys.